You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. Today we continue our series on um, prayer. We're going through a, a, a sermon series as a, a faith family the last couple of months on prayer, and we've talked about what is prayer. We talked about that. What, what exactly is prayer? We define that as personal communication with God, that, be, that because of Jesus Christ, that how prayer works, that Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, has made it possible for us to have access to a holy God through prayer, and that through, uh, through prayer, we have personal communication with the God of the universe. We talked about how we should pray, praying in God's will, praying in the name of Jesus. A few weeks ago, we had a prayer service where all we did was pray, and we, we focused on prayer. And with the last few weeks, we've been talking about different elements to prayer. We talked about a couple weeks ago, adoration. That's a key element of pray, prayer, that when we pray, we want to worship and adore God, who He is, and His character. We talked about a couple weeks ago, confession, that as we pray, a key piece to prayer is confessing our sins before God and also to each other, that that yes, when we pray, God does hear us, but when we sin, because prayer is a key part of a relationship with God and God is holy, that sin makes our relationship with God rocky and not quite right. And so we saw that we need to confess our sins before God in prayer. Last week, we talked about Thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's doing and praying um, along those lines and, and thanking God for all that he's done in our lives and all who he is. That's a key element to prayer. And today, it's interesting how this has all worked out. Like we planned this series on prayer, guys, when we put this together, like de- November, December, like months ago, before we, any of us knew what this virus was. And so we laid this out and we are today talking about supplication and intercession today. And so what timing in God's sovereignty that we'll be talking about that as a faith family. I think uh, God in his sovereignty has placed this. I mean, we even sang the song, Give Us Clean Hands today. So God's, uh, God's sovereignty is over all of this uh, service uh, this morning. But we're going to talk about supplication and intercession. So when we're going to start with supplication, when we pray and we pray with supplication, what does supplication mean? Supplication is this, the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. Let me read that again. Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. If you are a parent, you know what I'm talking about, about supplication. So if you have your Bible this morning, turn to Luke chapter 18. We're going to look at a parable of Jesus here in Luke chapter 18 as he talks about supplication. And of this parable of Jesus, Jesus, if you don't know what a parable is, a parable is a story that Jesus would make, uh, that Jesus would give. And in that parable, it had a moral, but it's more than like Aesop's fables. I remember as a kid uh, reading Aesop's fables. It's more than, than just a, a, a story with a moral to it. 
it was a story that Jesus would give to teach some kind of spiritual truth. And so here in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, Jesus gives a parable that helps teach those that were listening on prayer, an element of prayer. And so let's look at Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. It says this, Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow kept pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? So Jesus gives this parable of a woman, a widow, going before a judge. Now, I know we have many widows in our church, and we love and we care for our, uh, our, our widows, but that's not always how it was. And during this time, 2,000 years ago, the time of Jesus, a widow if, you're, if, if a woman's husband died and she became a widow, she, she became basically a social outcast. She had no one to care for her, no one to look after her unless her kids did. I mean, it was really for a lot of women whose husbands died, died it was a very uh, difficult thing is basically they moved into poverty. And that's why you see in Acts, when the early church was put together, the early church, one of their biggest ministries was caring for widows because they had no care otherwise. And so the church would care for them. And so this widow, we don't know what her exactly her issue was, but she was going to a judge who did not fear God or respect people. And she came to that town and she kept coming to this judge and she said, give me justice against my adversary. Now, we don't know what that was. Okay, Jesus didn't say. Again, that's not really the point of his, his parable, his story. But this woman, we don't, we don't know. A lot of theologians and scholars believe that, you know, a woman in this situation, perhaps that she was trying to be uh, physically taken advantage of, or maybe someone was trying to take her money. And in some way, she was being taken advantage of. And so she goes to this judge and says, give me justice, give me protection, And for a while, Jesus said that he was unwilling. He didn't really listen to her. In fact, we see that he was actually pretty annoyed with her. And then finally, he says, it says verse four, that he was, uh, he said, though I don't fear God or respect people, this woman keeps pestering me. She is being annoying. She keeps coming to me. And he says, well, because she's annoying me, pestering me, nagging me, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out. And then Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will God not grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? What Jesus is teaching in prayer by using this example of this judge and this widow 
is Jesus is teaching about persistence in prayer, supplication. Going before God and asking him for a physical need and keep coming back to him. Jesus gave another parable in Luke chapter 11. We don't have time to look there this morning. In Luke chapter 11, we looked at this a few weeks ago. But Jesus gave a parable of a neighbor who had a visitor come to him late at night. And he went to his neighbor and said, give me bread to feed my neighbor. And the neighbor said, no, I cannot. I'm not going to give it to you. It's late at night. My children are with me in bed. My wife's with me in bed. No, come back to me in the morning. But that neighbor kept knocking on the door, kept asking and asking. And finally, the neighbor gives in Luke chapter 11, gives his other neighbor, gives him the bread so he can feed the guests that came uh, to his home. And Jesus said that because of his persistence, he would give him. And Jesus said the same way, pray in this way. Ask and it will, it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For those that ask will find, will, will receive. And so Jesus teaches importunity, uh, importunity, some translation call it persistence, in prayer, supplication, the act of asking God or begging God for something earnestly or humbly. So what is Jesus when he's talking about supplication and what is he saying? He's literally saying, pester God, annoy God. And you say, Adam, why would God want us in prayer to annoy him, to pester him, to be persistent with him in prayer? Well, remember, we asked ourselves the question a few weeks ago, why does God want us to pray? And we discovered through God's word that God wants us to pray to create a spirit of dependency in our lives. See, when we pray, when we come to God with supplication, when we come to God and ask of him, what that is doing is we are saying, God, I am completely 100% dependent upon you. Just as this widow lady here in Luke 18, she was totally dependent on this judge for justice. So are we totally 100% dependent on God for all things. And sometimes we live in this this uh, and live in a lifestyle of self-sufficiency of saying, I can take care of this. I can handle this on my own. And many times God moves us in his grace. God moves us into a situation to where all we can do is supplicate of asking him and begging of him for something earnestly and humbly. In a few weeks, we're going to talk about what about unanswered prayer? What if God is not answering my prayer? And one of the, to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, one of the reasons that God sometimes doesn't feel like he answers our prayer is sometimes he is teaching us to depend 100% on him. So I ask all of us, what, uh, what is it in our lives that God is making us come to him and ask and beg of him earnestly. 
A lot of times we can get frustrated and bitter with God in that situation, but that's an act of grace in God's life and in our lives that God brings because what he is doing is he's teaching us to depend on him and see that our sufficiency really comes only from him. And so we are to ask, we are to beg, we are to plead with God for our needs. So if you have a need in your life, let me encourage all of us to take it before God and to beg of him, to ask him, to take those requests before him. But we're also commanded through Scripture not to just pray with supplication, but intercession. So let's define, we define supplication, but let's define intercession what is intercession? Now, when we talk about intercession, I want to encourage you to uh, get ready because we're going to flip to a few different passages of Scripture because I believe that, yes, we understand supplication. I think a lot of us, uh, the majority of our understanding on prayer really revolves around supplication. But r- another element, we've talked about these different elements of prayer that we often forget. We talked about adoration and thanksgiving and confession. That oftentimes we forget that as we pray, but intercession can be another area of our lives that we forget when it comes to prayer. And so what is intercession? Intercession is the act of intervening on behalf of another. Intercession is the act of intervening on behalf of another. So I want us to look in the Old Testament at an example of this. So turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Here in Deuteronomy 7, God had led his people Israel out of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And so they were about to cross the Jordan River and drive out a a greater nation than them. But all throughout Israel's history, after they left Egypt as slaves, they were constantly complaining, constantly shaking their fist at God. I mean, they would complain, we need food. God would give them manna, and then they got tired of, the, of eating the manna all the time. God would bring them quail. They would complain about that. They would complain that they were thirsty, and so Moses struck a rock in anger. And, and, I mean, these people were constantly complaining, constantly uh, complaining. And so God got frustrated with this. And so he told Moses, I'm going to destroy these people. I've had enough. They have, have just about pushed my patience too far. I think if you're a parent, you may understand this just a little bit. I mean, God had had it up to here. That was a phrase my grandmother likes to use. I've had it up to here with this. Have you ever heard that phrase? God had had it up to here with the children of Israel. He had had enough. He was going to destroy them. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And let's see what Moses does here in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 7. Moses says, remember... And do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God in the wilderness. 
You have been rebelling against the Lord from the day you left the land of Egypt until you reached this place. This is Moses talking to the people of Israel. You provoked the Lord at Horeb, and he was angry enough with you to destroy you. When I went up the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant of the Lord made with you, I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat food or drink water. On the day of the assembly, the Lord gave me the two stone tablets inscribed by God's finger. The exact words were on them, which the Lord spoke to you from the fire on the mountain. The Lord gave me two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant at the end of the, of the 40 days and 40 nights. The Lord said to me, get up and go down immediately from here for you brought for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way that I commanded them and they have made a cast image for themselves. The Lord also said to me, I have seen this people. Indeed, they are stiff necked people. Leave me alone and I will destroy them and blot out their name under heaven. Then I will make you, he's talking to Moses, then I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I went back down the mountain while it was blazing with fire and the two tablets of the covenant were in my hand. I saw how you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made a calf image for yourselves and you had quickly turned from the, from the way the Lord had commanded for you. So I took hold of the two tablets and threw them from my hands, shattering them before your eyes. I fell down like the first time in the presence of the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I did not eat food or drink water because of all the sin you had committed, doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and angering him. I was afraid of the fierce anger the Lord had directed against you because he was about to destroy you. But again, the Lord listened to me on that occasion. The Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him, but I prayed for Aaron at, that, at the time also. I took the sinful calf you had made and burned it. I crushed it thoroughly, grind it, grinding it into the, to powder as fine as dust, and threw its dust into the stream that came down from the mountain. You continued to provoke the Lord at Tabra, M- M- Massa, and another name I cannot pronounce. When the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, he said, go and possess the land that I have given you. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You did not believe or obey him. You have been rebelling against the Lord ever since I have known you. I fell down in the presence of the Lord 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had threatened to destroy you. I prayed to the Lord. I prayed to the Lord, Lord God, do not annihilate your people, your inheritance whom you redeemed through your greatness and brought out of Egypt with a strong hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Disregard the people's stubbornness and their wickedness and sin. Otherwise, those in the land you brought us from will say, because the Lord wasn't able to bring them into the land he had promised and because he hated them. He brought them out to kill them in the wilderness. But they are your people, your inheritance, whom you brought out by by your great power and outstretched arm. So here we see in Deuteronomy chapter 9, in that moment when God's people had sinned and they worshiped a golden calf instead of their God who had brought them miraculously out of Egypt, God had had enough. And God said, I am going to destroy them and I'm going to blot them from heaven. That's a pretty extreme place to go. That's a hard thing. 
God was going about to destroy the nation of Israel because of their rebellion. And so Moses said, he said, God, don't annihilate your people and your inheritance. He reminded him of the covenant in verse 27. He reminds him of the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, if you kill them, then all these nations in this land that you've commanded us to overtake, they're going to laugh and they're going to say that, that you didn't really love us and that you didn't really care about us and you didn't really promise to us because you wiped us off the face of the earth. And he says, but God, they are your inheritance whom you brought out by your great power and outstretched arm. Now, had God forgotten who Israel was? No. But we have to understand God cannot and will not tolerate sin. And so Moses stands in the gap for the people and he says, remember this promise you made to them. Do not annihilate him. Now turn over to Exodus 32. I want us to see even more what Moses said before God in this moment. Look at Exodus 32 and verse 30. Again, these people had just made the golden calf. They had, re they had rebelled against God. Look at Exodus 32 and verse 30. It says, the following day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. If you like to highlight, circle, underline things, I would encourage you to underline that phrase. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Now, if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. Faith family, do you see how Moses interceded and intervened on the behalf of the people before God. In one way and function, Moses is acting as a priest, standing before God's people, or before God on behalf of the people. And Moses even tells God and says, Listen, I know they've really messed up. I know they have committed a grave sin. And if you cannot forgive their sin, but if you cannot do it, erase me from the book you have written. What's Moses saying? Take my salvation from behalf of the people. I think one thing that's amazing about Scripture is the typologies we see throughout Scripture. And so here we see Moses being a type of Christ a picture of what Jesus was going to do. Jesus was going to stand in the gap. Jesus was going to come and take the wrath of God upon himself for the people. He was going to die so the people could live. And so we see Moses interceding on behalf of the people, and we see Jesus interceding on the behalf of us. Even when Rob read 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7, 
It's that Jesus is the mediator between God and man, and he's interceding on our behalf. Romans even talks about that. I told you we're going to be turning to a lot of places here in these last few minutes. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Look at Romans chapter 8. In my opinion, and it's just my opinion, you can take it for whatever it's worth, Romans chapter 8 is the greatest chapter in all the Bible. There's a lot of good ones, but I love Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes this, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. So right now, Jesus is interceding on behalf of you and I, just like Moses did, interceded on behalf of God's people, Israel. Jesus is the better Moses, and he is interceding on behalf of you and I, the church. He's praying for us. He is intervening on the behalf of us. But faith family, we are called to be like Jesus, We are called to intercede on behalf of others. Because in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writes, and we don't have time to turn there, he says, Adopt the same attitude as of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Faith family, just as Jesus is interceding on the behalf of of us, we should have the same attitude of Jesus and we should intercede on the behalf of others. So my, the question for all of us is, who in our lives needs interceding for? Husbands, dads, it starts at home and we should be the priests of our home and we should be interceding on behalf of our wives and our kids. Wives, you should be interceding on the behalf of your husband and your kids. Grandparents, you should be interceding on the behalf of your grandchildren. Worker in your workplace, you should be interceding on the behalf of those you work with. If you have neighbors, you should be interceding as a priest would on behalf of your neighborhood. Faith family as the church, we are called to intercede on the behalf of other people, to stand in the gap between them and God and intercede on their behalf. And so as we pray, we must pray with supplication. We must pray asking, begging God for something. We must ask God with 
earnestness and humbleness. And we must intercede on the act. We must intercede with the act of intervening on the behalf of another's faith family. When we pray, we're not just praying for ourselves. We are praying on the behalf of others. So we're going to close our service in prayer. We're going to take some time as a faith family and ask God for the physical needs in our lives, but also ask and intervene on the behalf of others. Together, we're going to read, as we enter into this time of prayer, we're going to read aloud together Psalm 86, verses 1 through 10. So if you would, stand with me, and we'll sing, we'll read, not sing, we'll read verses 1 through 10 of Psalm 86 as we move into a time of supplication and intercession together. So read this with me. It says, Listen, Lord, and answer me. For I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life, because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name, for you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.